De Jesus, he catches at the 26. He looks upfield to the 30, 35, 40. He's in the open field. 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25. He's at the 20, makes a right turn and tackled at the 20 yard line. Another big return by De Jesus. Play action fake. Marvel wants to throw all kinds of time. Long bomb down the middle. It is caught and it's another Rebel touchdown. And Ricky White did it again. Boy, what a connection that is. Miami to Ricky White have been doing it all season and they're doing it again today. The final score, UNLV 56 and New Mexico 14. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Monday. Good vibes, good vibes. Uh, you hear, whoa, little uh, UNLV football coming in instead of big time Raiders highlights what's what's going on here wow okay all right all right Damon how you doing buddy I'm doing good one win was a little bit more important to me Steve you bet it put it in a parlay (laughs) (laughs) I listened to uh, and Adam Hill is here he's the company I listened to a good amount at least the first hour of Unnecessary Roughness with uh, Damon and Q and I never heard all this betting talk, so I don't know if you're holding it back or we've just blown this open for you. You're on track to lose every single no. bet you made on the show. It's obvious what's happening. What is happening? Well, now that he's on this side of the building, he's hanging around Danny way too much. I'm not going to blame Danny. He is right across the hall. I only put down my Titans props of like um, – Tan- not Tannehill, excuse me. Will Levis getting the over on touchdowns because Danny said he was doing it. And he was like, I, I, I like it. I was don't, like, don't you like it, I like it. Don't listen to him. <laughs> don't take betting advice from somebody whose nickname is Degenerate Danny. I was like, Will Levis, one and a half touchdowns? Sounds good to me. Danny, you're doing it too? Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's, a, it's the proper person to take advice from either on plays or on how much to bet. Like, how often to bet, how many different tickets to put in, how many parlays to put in. First of all, if you want to win, don't do parlays. That's the first, first thing. I know, but Adam, I mean, I just put in, put down $15 today, went back 1000 Come on. And you got back You got back how much? It's today. Zero. It's, hey, it's, okay. still, it's still live right now. Okay. Okay. Still live, college basketball. Okay. Oh, no, you're mixing in college basketball already? He's got, like, a an Austin Eckler prop with, like, Washington over Bellarmine tonight. <laughs> Probably a lot of you, money you, lines uh, on some, you know, minus five hundred teams. You okay. really are that f- that front page splashy stuff that comes up on the sports books now. Oh yeah, you are the guy. You are that guy. Oh, you know what I should have taken? I should have just taken the um. Hey, here you know when they just tell you here's our parlay to pick. It was Ravens, Raiders, and Eagles. Should have just taken that one. Well, it would have worked. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Good try, though. Uh, you told me. Uh, Who saw CJ Stroud doing what he did yesterday? I mean, come on. You told me a couple months back you really loved that uh, hashtag never forget parlay. That, uh, who put that one out? Oh, boy. <laughs> to celebrate 9 11. <laughs> Jets, by, Giants, by, and by, Yankees or something. By betting on it. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's insensitive. You knew it was insensitive. So they got they got the free pub. I won't mention the name yeah. of the book, but actually, it's one of the books that's not legal here. I think it was like Jets, Giants, uh, Yankees, Mets parlay. It was. Yeah, never forget. It was. Yeah. I mean, you got to bet on 9-11. The, the, no better way than to honor the 3,000-plus dead that make some money off them. Yeah, did it win? Yeah, they, they, they made it. 3, did it, 000, it did not win. They made it 3,000 to 1 just to like rub it in even more. Oh, that? Okay. <laughs> on a four-teamer. Well, yeah. Just for this one. We're, we're going to give. Well, plus 3,000. That'd be 30 to 1. We're just going to give crazy odds, yeah. yeah. Uh, clearly insensitive and also 
clearly not funny, but uh, now months later we can chuckle at the uh, stupidity or or it's genius by these sports books. But the it just the demand parlays out on the front page. Good for you, man. Yeah. You've been winning. Everything's good for him right now. He's got the car back from the repo man. That's He's been good. winning bets lately. That's good. And yeah. uh, had apparently had UNLV in a parlay. How'd Colorado do this week? What? Hey, man, you're trying to ask me a gotcha <laughs> question. Just like Shadur, I, I'm not going to answer that. You know? Boy, that, that one's unraveled. It's that, that falling one, apart. That, one, that, one's gotten, that one's gotten real funny, huh? How about those bets we made? Yeah. You just want a clickbait answer, and I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> do you realize those bets have worked out so swimmingly? And you're still alive on the over-under seven. Uh, I mean – You'd have to get a bowl victory and win the, the win out from here, but still, you're still alive. But my favorite one, and I knew I was going to get you on it, and honestly, I was ta- I was going on a hunch, was my uh, Arizona versus Colorado two-year win total coming up. Because Arizona, three weeks ago, made the bet. It's like, Arizona? I'm like, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. And now look at them with little Fafita. Legit. When Dion leaves after this season, and Colorado takes a huge step he's back not, He's year. not leaving. I guess. He's leaving for another job? I think so. NFL. Or he'll just say, this is ridiculous. No, he's not. He's going to stick it out with his son. I don't know. He'll stick it out. I don't – I mean, it may get better. I still don't have full faith. And by the way, they lost to Oregon State this weekend. I don't have full faith that he's going to be able to really put together an offensive line in just one more year. I I told you this during the summer. That is the one area, the O-line, that you don't F around with by just telling guys, hit the bricks. Most teams that have good offensive lines aren't put together through the transfer portal, and they're certainly not put together using freshmen. That is a three, four, and five-year position or positions. Yeah. I mean, that's it was the problem that they faced, and it's why, you know, after game one where everybody freaked out about TCU, and I think going into that game, I was the, the person I showed those highest on Colorado, and then after that game I said, oh, even though they won, oof, this is not going to work. This will not work this season, and uh, it hasn't. And they're actually probably fortunate to have four wins at this point. So they have four, four and seven, yeah, four and five, four and five, four and five. Same record as the Raiders. Nice, nice. It's working out well. So looky, look, looky here. I'm scrolling through. First of all, this is a gigantic day for women's college basketball. My God, is every team on every level playing? This is men's n- too. This is nuts. Yeah, men's how, too. Are the, the men's schedule cannot be as busy as the women's. It's wild. I could not believe how many games are today. Yeah. I, well, someone told me last week, they just mentioned it in passing, like, oh, you know, he's opening kind of late. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Feels early to me. Yeah. Everyone's playing today. That's crazy. How fired up are you? Uh, Very. I mean, I wish, you know, I, I wish it wasn't during the NFL <laughs> season. Say, you wish you had some time to actually watch it uh, and pay yeah. attention. If it wasn't during the NFL season, it'd be great uh, that I could just sit oh, we still have the 24 hours. Oh, fantastic. Uh, but you know we got games going on right, literally right now over at T-Mobile. There's uh, Oregon, Georgia are playing right now. Uh, they're in it. The USC is later on today. So I mean, there's there's fun games here. There's games all over. Uh, you know, my uh, my Yale Bulldogs have a tough tough matchup today. Is that right? What do they have? Uh, You're being sarcastic. Vassar. Vassar. Which I thought I yeah. thought was all a women's, women's right? school. They expanded. <laughs> they must. Have. Wow, what a school to go to. <laughs> Come on, can you? Either you do it, or uh, please, or the uh, Vass research crew. Um, when did Vassar add men, and what's the student body breakdown? That's great. I mean, what to go to school there as a guy? You think they're fifty fifty yet? There's no way. What they were right away. They just went like fifty five percent male. Like what? What year one? There's no way. I have no idea. They might have added what? males in like nineteen eighty two. I, I agree. 
I have no I, idea. I don't know. They, we're going to find out that it would actually happen when, like, when, I, when I was in school. We might be wrong. I, I thought the same thing you did. So, as soon as I saw it, I, was like, why I thought we, that was an all-female Why would school. we both think that? I don't know. Did we see it in a movie? Was. Maybe it never was. Maybe we're just complete, completely wrong about what Vassar is. Or maybe there's another Vassar somewhere. Do you know where it is? Uh, I thought it was in like Massachusetts or somewhere. It's somewhere. in uh, Rhode Island? New York. Oh, New York. Yeah, okay. Dutchess oh. County. All right. And it was in the Northeast? Oh, no. What? Was it not an all-female school ever? No, I don't think so. It was. That's... It says it became co-educational in 1969. Well, that's a how long time we, ago. How are we so off on this? Maybe it was like an old – there's a reference to it somewhere that it was – I, I've, I've, how did we have the same thought? Man. 1969 is pretty late to should, add males. I should know this. Yeah, you're a New York guy. Oh, co- the college is one of the historic Seven Sisters, the first women's colleges. Uh, that's the name of the first women's colleges in the U.S. So that's okay. that's what it was. It was historic because gotcha. it was one of the first all gotcha. women's. Okay. Well, that was important to get. Well, hopefully, it. it's important to get in there on a Monday after all this good football stuff. Hopefully, Yale finds a way to win. <laughs> uh, by the way, Georgia off to a slow start. Over at T-Mobile, Oregon's leading 28-14 with eight minutes left in the first half. And you are right. There's already uh, about seven finals in. Yeah. In college oh, yeah. basketball, men's college morning. basketball. Yeah. Oh, boy. As soon as I opened my phone this morning, I saw, like, uh, it, I think the first score I saw was maybe, like, Stephen F. Austin against, like, North Tech, North Dallas Christian or something. I was like, oh, here we go. College basketball is and back. You know what? Actually, the fact that we mentioned Vassar, this is the time of year where when you find out um, – about schools that you may have never known about. About schools that are now Division One. Yeah, I don't think Vassar's Division One. I. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm looking on a site right now that's got them at D3. Okay. Yeah, undergrad league. Twenty four forty one. That's a small school. Academic staff three fifty five. That can't be the case, right? Really? Too small. Eight to one. Student to uh, professor or teachers. That's yeah. kind of cool. That's nice. Well, go good. Get a good education. How man. much more Vassar material can we get? Out? <laughs> we can do a whole show. Okay. So, the beginning of the show today is all about attitude around a football team. And winning changes everything. So, I want to get to what the Raiders were like this last week or so. Because some of the videos and stories we heard, I was like, wow. These guys are freed. Was the McDaniels era that restrictive? But first, let's start with UNLV. Because you've been here longer than I have. You went to UNLV. They haven't had a great football history. They're up 42-7 in the first half against New Mexico. They wound up winning 56-14. The vibe around the team, and I, I've, I haven't covered it forever, but I've covered it for now six or seven years as a sideline guy and jack-of-all-trades. I cannot believe how much the attitude and the vibe has changed around the program. It's crazy. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that, and that's and – it's, it's one thing when, you, when it happens – in an off season, right? You make a coaching change, the culture changes. It's kind of made in their, um, you know, in, in their image, and they bring in players that fit how they want the program to look. Not everyone, because there's players that are held over, but um, it's that is one thing. I mean, the Raiders is different. And we'll get into that why. Like in the middle of the season, for things to change in a matter of hours is weird. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, but in terms of college, like yes, you've got a new coach in the off season. I think a, a lot of us that are around the program, but aren't you know, you know, us in the media. We're like, oh, this is different. This has changed, yeah. and it took until it was on the field and until they're more out in the public eye to see, you know, for the average fan to see that everything changed. But we saw the changes coming, and and you've seen it on the field, and now, 
Now we're all sick of winning already. I'll, I'll say that. I got together with some fellow UNLV folks on Saturday. First quarter, we're like, oh, this is all right. This is boring. Boring. Too easy. Oh, too easy. Plenty's also ran around on. the Mountain West Give Conference. us some competition. Okay. Am I – tell me I'm an arrogant jerk working around the program. I thought to myself multiple times. I looked at New Mexico fans, and I was like, been there. <laughs> and I actually have on multiple, multiple fronts. The school sure. I root for and the school I cover – and I actually, I'm, as I watch him, I'm like, man, Danny Gonzalez has a ways to go. There's a sloppiness in the game where you're like, that was UNLV in previous years. And I'm telling you, there is, there is something about extinguishing. And I saw it this weekend with my school, Rutgers, and, and uh, Damon brought it up before the show. And he was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if he said this, but like, good job, good effort. Like, they, they played competitively with – Ohio State for three quarters, and they lost 35-16. Extinguishing, good job, good effort, is one of the most important things to do when a program has been mediocre or bad. No, there's no such thing. Like, playing close ain't good enough. And you you, like, you have to get that out of the players' minds. Like, they can't walk away from, and in previous, like last year, you can't walk away from UNLV Fresno, touchdown game. You can't walk away from UNLV San Diego State and go, Good job, good effort. Can't walk away from Cal. Good job, good effort. You can't walk away from Hawaii, which was not a good job or a good effort because they were favored. But that has to go bye-bye. And until it does, I don't think you have a chance to win at a high level. Your expectations have to be, we're supposed to be here. That's what we were supposed to do. And when you lose a game like Fresno, you should be, this year, you should be irate. There is no good job, good effort. I think that has to, that's one of the most important things that has to be extinguished in college football. Yeah, uh, well, it, it's a process, though. I mean, sometimes it is. If you're completely building from ground, you know, from the bottom, right, and have no foundation at all, and and you know, no players, you're trying to rebuild a program, whatever you're trying to do, like, yeah, there is steps of the of the ladder where you say, all right, look, we can be competitive, yeah. we can play close, but once you are a team that is past that, that is into, we're trying to win games, we're trying to compete. Then, then that does have to go I feel away, like four sure. years into Sanchez and three years into Arroyo was still a good job, good effort. And they were yeah. good enough to win a lot of games, but they'd make little mistakes, and it would cost them. And that's the kind of game, the way they execute against New Mexico, that is stepping on someone's neck from the get-go. You know, you, you come out of the gate, you get a 59-yard uh, return by Jacob De Jesus. You're set up at the 30, and while everyone's kind of still reeling and catching their breath, they're like, okay, up top, Ricky White, best receiver in the Mountain West Conference, touchdown, let's go. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's been impressive, and um, I mean, certainly it wasn't going to be good job, good effort in that game. Like you have, no. you have to win that game, and you have to win it convincingly. Even a close game would have been, you know, a poor performance. I think. You, well, that's what I'm talking about. Even, even in games, even in games where you're, you know, uh, you want to be in a 42 point winner. If you had, you know, played to the wire and it was 28 25, that you shouldn't walk away from that going, hey, good job, good effort. You yeah. have to, you have to smash. Lesser opponents, and right now New Mexico is a lesser opponent. When you when you have lesser opponents, you have to you know you have to outdo expectation. It's, you know, I mean, if you want to use the point spread as that, that's fine. But like covering is what you should be aiming for, not and not you shouldn't be playing the game to cover. But that's a good measuring stick for where you should be. So, what do you think last week? Let's talk about attitude change, right? So UNLV has a, an attitude change now. They're uh, they're winning. They're closing out games. They're smashing people. There's an attitude that they're supposed to be here. Let's just talk about the attitude around the facility 
where all of a sudden we see guys jerking around and playing basketball and I don't know what else, ping pong. And it just like how restrictive was the McDaniels setup? How bad was it? Do we not know how bad it was? And now we're going to find out moving forward. And I'm not talking about wins and losses. I'm just talking about, hey, we're having fun. We enjoy coming to work. Come on, he's like throwing some some hip hop to have a little party in here while we're having this conversation. Like that's what it is. That's what it is around the building. It's it's wild, um, and I I think it's almost if not direct, it it might even be direct, but at least on some level, a um, it's it's directed toward him, like this, like they're going above and beyond what they normally would in any locker room just to say, hey, look, we're having fun. We don't. We're so happy you're gone that we're gonna party, you know, 24 hours a day here, which is crazy. Um, but the thing is, and and you know, I, I wrote a column on this over the weekend. Of it is fun. Like it's different. It's fun. It's fun for us to go in the locker room now. It's it's a much better vibe. I, you know, it's funny. I swear today, it, it hadn't hit me the whole season. I'm sitting at the Odom's press conference, and I was like, "Wow, this is nice." I'm like, "This is a nice." relaxed conversation with a football coach who at least outwardly seems to have a respect for the people who are covering him and it's loose i'm like it you know it never felt like that at times last year i never felt like that at times but it didn't feel like that and i had a good relationship with arroyo but i but i was thinking to myself i'm like why did that always kind of feel like it was adversarial even after wins well i I didn't have a good relationship uh but i i know you i know you didn't but i think it's it's different it's different for and even different for us on our level like we're actually in the locker room like and you feel it. It's just it's diff- It's a different vibe. But at the same time, like if you're going to do that, you better win, right? And I do. I I don't know if concern is the right word because it doesn't matter to me. But I I am interested to see how this works when they lose and when they you know they've got a back to back coming up against Kansas City and and Miami Miami and Kansas City. Like you could very easily lose both those games and potentially lose them badly. Mm-hmm. How does partying in the locker room work after that? And I will tell you that multiple players said that to me. Yeah. Um, Don't you think this is just I quoted an, one of them. initial reaction? Of, yes. Yeah. But I, but I think that and then this that, is that, they'll batten down the hatches. I guess. In yes and no. This Raiders is what punny. this is what they want. Like Antonio Pierce's philosophy is like be yourself, express yourself on the field and off. Like play with swag, live with like. Listen to your music and and do what you want to do and and play basketball. Like Antonio Pierce said, he will he refuses to go in the locker room. He's like that's theirs, not mine. So it, so he said uh, last week he said yeah I saw the videos of the basketball going on in there. I was like I didn't know that was happening. He's like that's not my room. That's where they go. And he's like as long as then they leave there and come to the meeting room and don't bring that into the meeting room, we're good. Work there, play in the locker room, have fun. And then enjoy it, and then after the game, I guess turn the turn Allegiant Stadium into smoking lounge, which is which is wild, also. Well, we'll get more on that. Uh, I want Demond's opinion on the win, and also every week has been wild with this team this season. What does four and five mean? And later on, I'm going to put out. Uh, everyone's been waiting on this, uh, and I always wait until uh, nine games in. Um, I'm going to put out AFC rankings. The AFC is nuts right now, and yet. The funny thing is I, I watched the second half of that Chiefs and Dolphins game in Germany. Chiefs win it. And then I, I think I turned on uh, Sims and Boomer and those guys, and they were like, 
Chiefs are the team to beat. I don't know who's going to get them. And I'm like, who? you don't know who's going to get them. I'm like, this conference is outrageous with how deep it is. What did you just watch? Touchdown, Raiders! A jet sweep to the left, and Jacoby Myers takes it for a 17-yard touchdown run. And the opening drive of the game for the Raiders puts him up 6-0. Shotgun snap over the middle. Wide open Renfro. 25-20. Spins down to the 15 for a first down. He picked up 19 yards. Hey, who's that guy? in the red zone. Who's that guy? Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, DeMond's got a purpose behind, uh, behind everything he's playing. All right, so Lincoln... And Horowitz, the second cut, the Renfro catch, you play that because Link has been busting on the Raiders for not using Renfro, or was that an example of an illegal cutoff of the play-by-play guy? Oh, no, that was an example of, hey, man, not only is everybody happier because they get to have fun in the locker room and do the soul train dance before practice, some guys are actually getting on the field now. Yeah. Getting used early. How much is Lincoln Kennedy going to crack on McDaniel subtly? The rest of the way. A lot. Because he was doing it when he was here. I was like, oh, okay. And one of the happiest men in broadcasting this week must be Horowitz, who signed up for the Raiders and this, you know, cutting edge offense, do play by play around Josh McDaniels offense. Ugh. And what it's been like. And then that game. Well at least you get some calls. At least you get to make a couple exciting exciting calls. Maybe. What do you mean? What you worried about AOC? No, what was I mean? What did the offense do? Trey Tucker that was exciting. Trey Tucker had a nice play, and I I was happy for him. He actually, I uh, actually talked to him on Friday, and uh, he just had a big smile on his face. Like, what's going on? He's like, they told me I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be able to do some stuff this week. I'm excited. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Um, what about some Josh Jacobs runs? Yeah, the, the, it was they they were efficient. Okay, but I mean to to make a case of like they were some exciting offense all of a sudden like that is. Not the case. Hey, but if you're moving the ball and you're scoring touchdowns here and there, compared to what was going on before this, yeah, get oh, fired yeah. up. Yeah, it's a, and, you're and right. They're not. Well, if I don't, Tom, I don't, if Tommy I, DeVito hands you the ball at the 20 yard line a couple times and yeah. you punch it in. Good job. <laughs> All right. So you were making reference to a smoking lounge. What was going on? So with the Raiders. When you know we kind of gather outside the locker room to wait to be let in because they have like a 15 minute cooling off period, uh, which makes total sense. They can start to get ready, whatever, before the media comes in. So they have their time to do their speeches and, um, you know, have their little their celebration before uh, we enter. And as we're standing out there, a couple of us are saying, is there, is there a fire? Like, what is going on? And then I look, and multiple players, I open up my, uh, my Instagram app, multiple players are live streaming from the locker room, which has never happened before as far as I know. So I was like, let me jump on here. And I looked, I watched both uh, Max Crosby and uh, Nesta Jade Silvera's live stream. And in both of them, you see the entire room uh, smoking cigars and just a cloud of smoke. I was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, this, is, this is definitely something new. So then they finally opened the door for us to go in and just a puff of smoke <laughs> just just hits us and greets us and moves down the hallway it was very, very smoky in there. And then we walk into the locker room. Uh, there's music playing. Uh, smiles. I didn't know the player smiled. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, 
happiness, the the jovial nature of the locker room uh, that was going on, uh, and then the the cigars uh, were all over the place still. Uh, very good, very good cigars, and uh, you know, talked to some players about that. Nobody had ever seen that. No, no to the players who have been around the league for a long time. I mean, Greg Van Roten has been in the league for over a decade. He said he's never seen cigars in a locker room. Devontae Adams said the same thing. Well, like after winning a Super Bowl or a championship, maybe. Uh, sure. Okay. Potentially, but even then, I think you usually go outside. Uh, That's a good point. So apparently, Max Crosby was so so convinced that they were going to win and win, win impressively. That uh, Saturday night, he Venmoed the equipment guys a lot of money. He wouldn't tell me the number. <laughs> said he sent a lot of money and said, "Go get a hundred cigars. Oh, wow. like, we're going to need these in the locker room. It's going to be a party." And uh, when the players got back to, from the field to the locker room, there was a cigar in everybody's locker, uh, coaches as well, and uh, it was it was just a, it was a party in there. And uh, clearly, there's just there's just a new attitude. Uh, it's their room; they can do what they want. Uh, that's that's kind of the new mantra and the new attitude that's going on. So uh, it's it's fascinating to watch, but definitely it was a uh, it was a locker room like I had not seen before. What does your organization want to do rest of the season? Like, if Champ Kelly technically is in charge as a GM, what do him and MD want to accomplish? That's fair. I mean, I I, I mean, th- if you talk to Mark Davis right now, it'd be like, make the playoffs. Let's go. Sure, I, I think that that was part of what he wanted. I think he wants to see. I think they want to see a response because let's face it. Even even at four and five, which is theoretically right in the mix, um, their playoff odds did go up yesterday from three percent to four <laughs> percent. So, I mean, are they going to make the playoffs? I, I I don't think so. I mean, their schedule is is brutal down the stretch. Um, so what they're probably going to do is win a couple games more than they would have and drop their draft spot even more. Uh, but I I think what they want to see is. You know, like I said, a response. Like, does this continue? Does what happened on the field yesterday uh, translate to more performances like that down the stretch? And I think Antonio Pierce is in a better situation than you would think. Uh, first of all, I think Champ Kelly is absolutely a candidate to to be the, the full-time GM. I think that there's no question about that. Uh, but there's not a whole lot he can do now. I mean, the trade deadline's passed. The contracts are done. Like, all that stuff is, is in place. He can just kind of massage the roster a little bit. Um, but in terms of Antonio Pierce, I think there is a sense that Rich Passaccia was never given a fair chance, um, even though he you know, took over the team and led them to the playoffs just because he wasn't an X and o, X's and O's guy, um, and that's what Mark Davis wanted, which is what my, you know, Josh McDaniels is known for. Uh, so I think there is a bit of Mark Davis saying, look, maybe I should have given the non-X's and O's guy a chance last time. We have another – you know, leader type coach who's not an X's and O's guy, and Antonio Pierce. Like maybe we should have given him a chance last time, and maybe we'll give him a chance. But I, I think that's going to require this continuing because, like I said, I do think that there's a huge question to be asked of how does this translate if they lose a couple of games in a row badly. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. We got the Black Crows starting off uh, two thousand twenty four at the Palms inside the Pearl. You get tickets right now. Black Crows in town, February 9th and 10th. Ticketmaster.com, but Demond's going to hook you up with a pair. 364-1100-364-1100. Pearl inside the palms. Black Crows early February. Call in. Get your tickets. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Just starting to wrap up the football weekend. Crazy weekend around town. UNLV goes on the road and smashes New Mexico 7-2 and two now. Big game on Friday night. And a reminder, uh, the double dip of coaching shows or coaches shows is starting up this week. Kevin Kruger radio show, 6 o'clock tomorrow. Henderson, District, Parkway Tavern. And then Barry Odom radio shows back on Wednesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday, both of the – Coaches shows. Uh, following up on what Adam was just talking about with coaches, so you said the thought is, hey, the X's and O's guy, um, you know, neither Basaccia or Antonio Pierce are those guys, and they want to give Pierce a, maybe a more of a fair chance. Um, I'm not saying Basaccia or, or uh, Pierce are the big galoot, but Dan Campbell's the big galoot, and this is something I've been talking about for a couple of years here. Do you go with the nerd? Or do you go with the big galoot or sort of a combination of that person? How many of the big galoots are actually working? How many of the rah-rah coaches are working around the NFL right now? Well, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I who, are the, who all, are the other Dan Campbells out there? Well, first of all, I'd, I'll take umbrage to that because I feel like Dan Campbell is trying to portray a big galoot, but he's actually cerebral. Shocking. Like, I think you're – I don't think you can I, convince me of that I one. I think you're off on that one. I think he's a big galoot. Um, I mean, what big galoots are even – Still around. That's my point. That's my point. Do you Vrabel? go? Do you, Vrabel's the only one. I don't know, man. Vrabel's. You know, I was watching last week, and I don't know if he has an issue with his left eye or something. I don't know. It's like a lazy eye. He looks every time they show him on TV or they showed him last week. He looked like he had just gotten punched in the face and he was shaking out the cobwebs. He's just like, maybe he was. I don't know, but he certainly he's not a big loot. I mean, size wise, he is, but he's. He's always been, uh, you know, he, I don't know about analytics, but at least he's thought things out. You know, it's not, uh, I looked at the card and that was the move to make. Well, I feel like, I mean, does Big Galoot have to be sized, though? No, that's Because I point. feel like Tomlin is like a little Galoot. Really? Yeah. So you're saying Mike, Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's not cerebral, huh? Okay. He's fiery. Okay, so so we'll, we'll go with Ra Ra guy instead of Big Galoot. Hmm. Ra Ra guy. Yeah, energy. There's very, very few, right? There yeah. are a couple of articles, Steve, about Mike Vrabel's eye. No one's gotten to the bottom of it, but it is a thing that people <laughs> notice. I mean, I feel bad if he's got if he's got like he's got an issue with his eye, you know. I, mean, I, I have an issue with my hair. I, we're going to talk about Art Smith later on and his mustache, and I'm think I'm actually thinking of doing what Art Smith did. Arthur Smith, the Falcons. Don't. I don't know. Going to do something. Got to make some changes. We is the building on fire. I think that's a microwave. Oh. <laughs> I think I put something in the microwave. It might be the alarm I put on my sandwich. You heard about that whole thing last week, right? Somebody stole it? No, no. Uh, Huff from uh, Comp had a sandwich. He left it with the paper open, and it was like it was still like a third left. There were a couple bites out of it. He left it in the break room. I walked in the break room. I saw it. At first, I looked at it. I'm like, oh, there's bites there, so it's not a public sub. Then I wrapped it up as a joke, and there was a basket of like popcorn, like uh, bagged popcorn. I put it in there, and then... I went back. It was gone. I'm like, oh, he grabbed it. And then I, I wanted to go tell him, hey, you know, I wrapped up your sandwich. Ha-ha. And he's like, oh, I had no idea what happened to it, so I just threw it out. I thought someone touched my sandwich, so I threw it out. <laughs> and then I had to leave during the show, and I went and got him a $17 sub as a replacement. But the great thing was when we talked to him, when I talked to him, uh, I asked him, I'm like, hey, what kind of sub was it? And he's like, I don't know. Like Maybe it wasn't his. That's what Damon thinks. He worked me. Yeah. Why didn't you just have it like a uh – Food apt. Food delivery app. I, like, I don't like the apps. I'd rather take 12 minutes off the show. It's worth it to me. <laughs> to send you, there's no way it's only 12 minutes. It was. Ask him. 
It was quick. What did you do? You order it and go pick it up? Yes. Oh, okay. That's the easy way to do it. All right. All right. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that change that Arthur Smith made, and we'll see see if I can big change if I can do that. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a very big change. Damon Cofield, Adam Hill, Steve Kim is on the way. We'll do a little fight talk, but we want to get to the football weekend as he always has uh, some outrageous thoughts, and then gives us the thought of the week from uh, his good buddy Jason Whitlock. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, let's do it. Bringing in Steve Kim, presented by Snack Nutrition, of course, the host of Three Knockdown Rolls. Steve, what's going on, buddy? Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hope you had a good weekend. I did have a good weekend. Uh, how about you on the college football front? Eh, it is what it is. It's another week down. Uh, a couple more interceptions from Tyler Van Dyke. But other than that, it is what it is. Who is going to be the starter next week? <laughs> you know, uh, that's a great question. If it's Tyler Van Dyke, I, uh, Mario Cristobal runs the risk of losing the fan base. There is a large contingent of fans that either want uh, the freshman that started against Clemson, Emery Williams, who showed a little bit of promise, but still a true freshman. And then you have Jakari Brown, who what I've been told and what everyone's been told is his family wants him to redshirt, but he still has some games that are eligible to be played. But he has not taken a real snap this year. So I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think Miami right now has a good option. Hmm. ACC picture, kind of interesting, kind of balanced. Uh, Louisville's having a hell of a season. What do you think of Clemson and Notre Dame? I wasn't surprised given the fact that Clemson defensively is still very good, guys. If you look at their front seven led by Jeremiah Trotter Jr., they have NFL guys there, and they have a, have a really good cornerback and Nate Wiggins, and the game was at Death Valley. And, you know, Notre Dame, there's there one thing that they did not get for Sam Hartman, who transferred in there. They didn't get him a real number one receiver that could stretch the defense, and that's been – something that they've had an issue with, that they just do not have a lot of speed on the perimeter. And against some of the better defenses, you've seen what happens. It gets really, really tight, and they don't have that ability to threaten the defense downfield, and Hartman had a really tough time. So that really did not surprise me. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, Tyler in uh, South Carolina is at least going to be happy with uh, Dabble Sweeney for one more week. <laughs> uh, were you and Whitlock going in on uh... – Caleb Williams, what is what is it, Lambo Weep? What's going on here with Caleb Williams? Well, look, we're going to get on it tomorrow. Some bigger news stories came up, so my segments got shelved till tomorrow, I'm assuming. Look, crying in football, it's a very emotional game. A lot of guys have done it. A lot of athletes have done it uh, at various levels when they find out that their careers end. But, you know, with Caleb Williams, he's making it such a show. I think it's the way it happened and the way it played out. I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was actually worse when at the post-fight or post-game press conference, some guy asked some question about, hey, how are you going to um, handle this? Oh, my God, it's so tough. Then he literally said, I just want to curl up with my dog and watch Netflix. I'm like, okay. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world, but there are so many little things with Caleb Williams. I don't want to say that they're red flags, but there are things that concern me if I'm going to be a team with the number one pick looking to draft a quarterback. I can't lie. Do you not have a dog? 
Well, I, I would say this. I wouldn't have reacted the way he did. I don't. Why would he get so emotional over that game? You've already, that's your third loss. I mean, I, don't, I, I do feel I mean, like if you have to watch that defense play every week, you're, you're probably going to cry every once in a while. Well, I'd have a nervous breakdown. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Alex Grinch has made a lot of Trojan fans cry, with all due fairness. You're right. But to go up into the crowd the way he did, and that's where Whitlock got the Lambo weep. <laughs> He's a very witty guy, that Whitlock. Uh, and, and then the covering his face, I just thought that was a little bit over the top. Didn't you guys? No, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think my argument would be I think there's a lot of guys that do things now trying to do what they think they're supposed to do. And I think he's trying to say, look, people keep saying I'm going to check out. I'm not going to play the rest of the year. I want to show scouts that I care. So this is my way of showing people that I care that we're losing. Like I think there's a lot of acting that goes on and a lot of instructing of guys of what they should be doing or how they should be acting. And I think that's why we get a lot of the things we get. And Adam, so you're right. So now can we accuse him of grandstanding then? I think whoever's, whoever's advising Because now we don't him. know if he's authentic or not. See, that's, sure. see now we can bring that up. Is, is, is this guy a bit of a phony? So I, I just don't think in an NFL locker room, short of losing a playoff game or a Super Bowl, if you're going to act that way, and I'm not saying he is, but let's say this was just week nine to drop me to three and six. And by the way, if he's going to be drafted by the Raiders, I would say to him, get used to it. Um <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, in the locker room's going to be like, bro, they're going to look at him with a side eye. Come on, you, a lot of eyes are going to be rolling at him. I don't know. The Raiders locker room is used to having somebody that does what they think they're supposed to do and not is not authentic. I'll yeah. just say that uh, mm. from the last night. Derek, Derek Carr reference. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. A lot of, a lot of game okay. plan and uh, cried after a game last year. and that kind of. But to Steve's point, that, that did kind of end it for. Yeah, that was, one, that was that, the end. That Colts game, that was the end when Derek yeah. Carr came out and was kind of weepy. He lost the locker room. I mean, I think he was losing it before that, but that, that officially ended I think he it. cried because he lost the locker room. Right, because yeah. they, they got on him, and he freaking came out yeah. all emotional. All right, Steve, what do you think about the Raiders uh, with Antonio Pierce? Interesting dude. In for Josh McDaniels, just having fun and going out and kicking ass. Yeah, and it helped that they played the Giants. <laughs> yeah. So this reminds <laughs> me a lot of last when Jeff Saturday took over in that failed, ill-fated experiment they came over to Las Vegas, and they beat the Raiders, and everyone said, wow, this might work. Uh, the problem was they had the rest of the season to play. Look, Antonio Pierce has a chance to take this job over. What is there still eight, nine, ten more games to play? I'd like to see where this goes. One thing we know about Josh McDaniel, if you ever talk to anyone that's ever played for him, he's not a head coach. He's not a leader of men. He can actually make things very toxic. He had lost the locker room. They had stopped playing for him. I would like to see how far Aiden O'Connell can do this. Because I have to tell you guys, we didn't talk about it because it was the Monday night game last night. Uh, Jimmy G, some of those throws, uh, he nearly had Devontae Adams having a nervous breakdown. I thought he was going to cry. And you know what? I would have justified. I would have defended yes. Devontae if he would have cried on the sidelines in Detroit. Because, I mean, he literally lost 180 yards of receiving um, and statistical power because of one guy kept overthrowing him. But, look, look, before we anoint Antonio Pierce, the modern-day John Madden, let's see where this thing is by, let's say, early, early December or Christmas. Damn, I was going to go with the Madden comparison, too. You stole it from me for later in the show. Yeah, that's Steve, what I do. Steve Kim, I always do. Do, yes, uh, presented by Snack Nutrition. You can uh, watch him with Mario Lopez with his uh, weekly three knockdown rule podcast. How about the future of McDaniel? McDaniel. What if... If we start getting a bunch of stories and more uh, crushing of McDaniel and his methods and his character from these players, 
Is there a chance that Josh McDaniels will be out of football for a little bit, or is that Patriot tree so strong that he's going to get a gig right away? Well, you know how if that's the good old boys network. And by the way, did you guys ever watch The Office? Of course, yes. Dunder Mifflin. Well, it's obvious to me this uh, giving Josh McDaniel the head job is like making a Dwight Schrute the regional head manager. He's I mean, to just, the he's just not. There's just too much information now that he is. A very good coordinator. In fact, he's really good when he has Tom Brady, though. I mean, he's yeah. just like he's the best ever, right? <laughs> but when he's when he's made to lead forty-five men and to lead and be the face of an organization, he has absolutely failed. I, I mean, when I saw the scene yesterday of the Raiders celebrating that win, it, it, it almost seemed like they weren't just celebrating the win over the Giants; they were celebrating a certain type of liberation. You know, and I don't know how long that feeling is going to last. That could wear off after reality sets in. But look, Josh McDaniel, I've seen coaches with worst head coaching runs that have actually consistently gotten jobs over and over again, but they'll never ever become a head coach again. Right. So I, I don't know. I it would it would actually surprise me if he just completely has coached his way out of the National Football League fraternity. He'll be the Patriots coordinator next year. But I, I think. Um, to, to your point, I was asked this last week on a show in Denver. Denver. They said, how could Josh McDaniels Josh not have learned anything McDaniels. from his first stint? How could he be the same person he was then? <laughs> what is wrong with him? And I said, what's wrong with the person that hired him? He, right. he got two more jobs. Why would he change? He got the Colts job and the Raiders job. Why would he change? He got two more jobs. And, guys, isn't this a bit of an indictment on Mark Davis who hired him, though? Of course. I mean, that's the common denominator. And by the way, Mark Davis did upgrade haircuts. I will give him that. Uh, as someone who was Asian, I would not have told him to go with the rice bowl all those years. I'll just be very honest with you. But, I, but the company, maybe Mark Davis is the problem. Maybe, again, he's the common denominator. Last minute with the uh, Korean curmudgeon Steve Kim. You can find him. I love it. I love it. Uh, at Steve Kim 323. Um, you compared Joe Burrow and Josh Allen uh, in that game last night. So what were your conclusions coming out of it? Look, they're both very good, but the precision and the accuracy, uh, Joe Burrow was like a scalpel. Um, just conducting surgery, you saw the precision, saw the control that he had. And look, I've been a very big fan of Josh Allen in the past, but there's no doubt post-Brian Dable, he has regressed, and now he plays football kind of like a sledgehammer. Um, and he's effective at spots, but he runs like a tight end. He's barreling over people. He has a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, and, and there are flashes of greatness, but there is no consistency, and there's something very broken about that Bills offense. At times, guys, they need to hand the ball off more and start running the ball more consistently. Um, I get the sense that the, the very talented Bills roster, that window has closed on a Super Bowl run. Steve, we appreciate it. By the way, I did not know that uh, in your Twitter circle potentially is our guy Dan Dockich, huh? Uh, you know, I love Dan. Dan did an unbelievable, uh, and I've never met Dan, don't know Dan, but uh, Dan did a great tribute to the one and only general, God rest his soul, Robert Montgomery Knight, uh, someone that I admire from afar. I'd never met him either. And I just thought it took a lot of guts for Dockage, who did not have a great relationship the last 15 years with Bobby Knight, to stand up and say, you know what, though, there's still a lot of great things about that man. And that type of brute honesty, um, I think, is sorely missed in general media today. So I, I just, you know, I'm Dan Dockage. I gave him a follow. I'm enjoying it.
Steve, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you, buddy. Anytime, guys. Have a great day. There he is, Steve Kim. Snack Nutrition, by the way, on Dockage. Can't stand him. And Dockage's latest material was talking about how wimpy Caleb Williams is. Anyone who follows Dan Dockage and goes at him on Twitter, talk about a freaking wimp. My God, pod calling the kettle black.